All right, and welcome back to another episode of the AC Milan Offsides Devil Wears Rossonero, the official podcast of SB Nation's AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick Stoll. He's Tim Fontenot at Stoll underscore P at Tim underscore Fontenot. And at SBN Rossonero is where you can reach us as always. And stop me if you've heard me before. But AC Milan, for the how many straight time have been robbed against Juventus again and the referees again stopped the presses gave Juventus a last minute controversial penalty decision so that they could equalize in the first leg of AC Milan versus Juventus in the Coppa Italia semifinals leading to a 1-1 draw in leg one. Leg two is in Turin next week, or excuse me, in two weeks, and it is going to be an absolute nightmare. And we are, even a week later, mad, livid, upset, and quite frankly, bitter, because this happens every single time. Every single time, Milan had 11 shots on target against Juventus. They had one goal. Whose fault is that? Probably Milan's. But the fact that they had this game in the bag, the bag was secured as of 90 minutes, and it was ripped away thanks to Cristiano Ronaldo Penaldo, as they call him, as some would call him, going for a bicycle kick as Davide Calabria jumps up to try and head across away, misses, and then the ball goes off Ronaldo's foot and hits Calabria in the arm as he is coming down from his jump after deflecting off of his back. So, that's pretty much where we're at. It's good to know that, you know that whole 2020, like, New Year, New Milan thing that we were riding for about six games there? Yet, that, that's not true. This is the same Milan, this is the same league, this is the same Juventus, and the same refs. It's unreal. It's really, it's really interesting how this happens every single time Juventus are in a tough position that they get bailed out by referees. And it also is interesting that that happens to Cristiano Ronaldo too, which leads me to understand why Juventus increased the amount of money that they got from Jeep, which is owned by Andrea Agnelli, basically just increasing their own money amount in order to bring Cristiano Ronaldo in and pay all the Jeep workers less um, so that they can get referee benefits for both the team and for Ronaldo. So we see that continue to pay off. Uh, and in the meantime, Milan also beat Torino in an extremely boring, just crap house game of a 1-0 victory. Uh, thanks to Ante Rebic for showing once again that he is our player of the season. 
and he has only been good for us for about two and a half months. And here we are. 1-1 in the Coppa Italia, heading into leg two in Turin. Very concerned. Most likely eliminated. Had it, and we lost it. And currently sitting in eighth place. Level on points, by the way. Level on points. With sixth place Verona and seventh place Parma. Two points ahead of ninth place Napoli. So that is the current state of AC Milan. And oh, by the way, they're still trying to figure out how to get Rebic for next year. But more on that in a second. For now, I will bring in my co-host, Tim Fontenot. Tim, how are you, buddy? Are you as mad as I am over the latest Juventus robbery? Of course I am. Of course. It's an absolutely pathetic decision. Uh, Once again, Juventus is in a tough spot. And once again, they get bailed out. And you got to keep one. Like, I felt like um, Jesse in Breaking Bad when he sees Walter White go and do something else that just drives him insane. He goes, he can't keep getting away with this. He, they can't. And, you know, you'd think, uh, you'd think people would want to avoid all these suspicions given what happened about a decade and a half ago. But, you know... Maybe we're just past that. You hit the nail on the head with all of this. I mean, it's ridiculous. The only thing that made me feel better about it, because I just kept thinking about that whole Jeep thing, too. And on Friday, the football world got some news. They got some news about Manchester City. Wonderful news. And all I could think when that happened... I just wanted to scream, now do Juventus. Oh, they're next. They are next. Oh, they're coming up next, and I cannot wait for Juventus to get banned from Europe. If this appeal falls flat for Manchester City, Juventus and PSG are going to be sweating, and I can't wait for it. But anyway, just the penalty decision on its own. Absolute garbage. Just what's Calabria supposed to do there? I mean, he is... He is playing the ball. He's not even looking at Ronaldo. He is playing the ball. And Ronaldo is inches behind him. And that arm isn't... When you jump and you're jumping backward and you're jumping like backward diagonally, are you going to keep your arms at your side? Can you keep your arms at your side? Like if you're listening to this, try to do that. If you can like... You know the whole unnatural position thing? That is meaningless to me now. It's just, it, it has no meaning. And what is a natural position? Especially when you're talking about the fact that people need to use their arms for movement, for balance. And so a player who is making a football play, I feel like I hear that in college football in the NFL way too much that I'm now saying a football play. He is jumping to head the ball and it goes over him to Ronaldo and he's too close to be able first of all he's too close and second of all he's not even looking in that direction because he's looking at the direction that the ball was played from so he is in no position to actively prevent a cross from coming in so I mean it's just it's ridiculous and it costs them the match it, it's now 1-1. They have the away goal. And they get Juventus are going home with that advantage. 
and it is completely ridiculous that that is now the talking point when we should have been talking about how fantastic those first 85 minutes were from from Milan because I thought that they were actually really solid for that entire game. And the only reason we're talking about anything different is the handball and Teo's red card, which Teo's red card was awful. I mean, just really dumb to put yourself in that position when you're already on a yellow. But the team really handled it well and looked good for the win. And they deserved the win. And they didn't get it. Because, you know, when when Pinaldo's on the pitch, that's what happens. It's, frankly, it's sad. Because whenever we're going into these matches against Juventus, you always feel like something like this might happen. Uh, One of my examples, I believe it was two years ago. Yeah, two years ago. Where it might have been uh, Pjanic. I forget who it was. But Juve player basically had the ball, took it to the touchline, tried to cut back with it. DeShilio was covering him, and he basically kicked the ball straight up, and it hit DeShilio's hands that were behind his back because he turned, and his hands were behind his back. So he was doing the hide the arms thing, which is an unnatural position. But that is the avoid handball at all costs method as opposed to the natural position method, which just doesn't exist. But the ball went straight up at uh, DeShilio's arm, arms, elbow. I don't remember the exact play. I was trying to track it down. Penalty. And then Juve won the game from it. Uh, shocker, right? Um, I believe that was Dybala who scored the penalty. Um, it, it was pre-Ronaldo, uh, clearly, because DeShilio was a Milan player at the time, not a Juventus player at the time. So, you know, that's one example. It's like, all right, that was nonsense. Last year in the Copa Italia, Hakan Chaonolu tries to cross the ball and a sliding Alexandro has his arm up and it bounces and completely deflects the trajectory of the ball. I screamed when that happened. In the box. Yep. Hakan Chaonolu posted a picture of this on his Instagram story immediately following the game. Because he knew that was a penalty. And it was not given because it was Juventus. This was given because it was Juventus. I am looking at this frame by frame right now. This is the the current robbery. Um, Where the ball comes in. And admittedly, I don't know why. Like The only reason that Calabria's arm would be out like that is for balance. Because he's coming down, and it deflects off... First of all, the fact that it deflects off his back first, it just ticks me off. Because it's not even a... It doesn't even feel like a real handball. Like, it's, it's not. Second of all, it deflected off his back first, so where was it going? Someone asked me, 
well, where would it have gone if it didn't hit his hand? That was like out of bounds. It would have gone right back from the touchline and it would have been a corner. Like no one is saying that it didn't touch him. But then my favorite part is the traditional uh, Juve throw the hands up method which I see one, two, three, four players throw their hands up and then Miralem Pjanic goes right into the face of the referee. What else is new? Um, and basically says, oh yeah, you're going to look at that, right? And the ref goes, yes. And Pjanic goes, okay, good, and walks away. And I'm like, I mean, this is just rigged at this point. Like, this is complete. Like, I'm 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 looking at the VAR review, and I just cannot understand how that is deemed. Like, I understand it hit the arm, but first of all, it took a deflection first, and second of all, it didn't affect the ball. Like, it didn't tra- affect the trajectory. And third of all, making that huge of a call at that point in the game, like, it's it's crappy. Like, it, it's nonsense. And it happens all the time. And it happens, like, almost exclusively for Juventus. Exactly. And you know what? You got <laughs> Here comes the uh, our favorite VAR line, clear and obvious. You have to look at that. And definitively say that that was a true handball by the letter of the law against the defensive player and warrants a penalty kick. The fact that it's still up for debate tells you everything you need to know. And not like it's there's it, there shouldn't be a debate. Like It's so blatantly not a penalty. And, you know, there's no coherent thought about what is and what isn't a handball in Italy right now. I think we started the year with this very definitive statement of if it hits your hand, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter if it's in a natural position. doesn't matter this or that. The other thing, it hits your hand, it's a handball. We threw that out the window in the first week because... Milan got robbed, if that was the definition. In At Udinese, they got very much robbed, if that was the situation. And now I feel like there's just no definitive... There's no definition anymore, except for Juventus, where if it benefits Juventus, it's a handball. If it doesn't benefit them, we play on. To your point about the handball is... If it is like a handball's a handball's a handball, like if it hits your hand too bad, then that needs to be enforced consistently because it doesn't seem like that's the case. It seems like they are judging intent or natural position or I, I don't even know. Like it seems like there's actual judgment going into this as opposed to what we were originally led to believe which is what you said, if it hits your hand, that's too bad. And that's clearly not the case because it's not consistent. 
and we have VAR, and if you're going to use VAR, you you need to get it right because otherwise you're going to turn into the Premier League and you're going to become a joke for it. I don't think anyone can be that bad right now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no one no one can fudge up VAR quite like the Premier League. There's one thing, well, a couple quick things from the Juventus game that also just screamed to me that we are not advancing. First of all, Teo's first yellow card literally was like a minute, if that, after Dybala should have gotten a yellow. Um, Romagnoli has gotten a yellow for basically going and speaking to the ref and Benucci like grabs the ref or like gets an inch away from his face and he never gets a yellow card. Um, Teo's second yellow, frankly, was his fault because at that point you need to know like to relax. Um, They're going to be missing Teo in the second leg. That's a huge deal. They're going to be missing Castillejo, which is also a big deal. Because we don't have Suso anymore. And he's been very good the last few weeks. Which just makes me sad. I just, I mean, like, it makes me happy for him because I like Suso. And I wish him well. But that really sucks because this happens a lot. Um, And then we're going to be missing Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Somehow, some way. And this is the ultimate, like, Italy doesn't have it together moment. Is that Zlatan got a yellow card. And due to yellow card accumulation, he is suspended for the second leg. His previous yellow card that is the accumulation was in the 2010 to 2011 Coppa Italia. The last time he played in Italy was a decade ago. Literally a decade ago. And he got a yellow card in a Copa game. And he just got another yellow card. And he's out for the second leg against Juventus. Because of a 2010-11 yellow card. How do these things not reset? What do you mean he's getting punished for this? You would think that this would roll over. It makes no sense at all. That... He literally was like walking around with this record. Not a soul knew this, by the way. Nobody knew that that was going to happen. And I'm sure I I don't want to be the guy who had to break that news to Zlatan Ibrahimovic at the end of the game. Like, hey, by the way, you're suspended for this reason. Because I'm sure that person is no longer with us. It's stunning. It really is. So that's what, like three, three or four yellow card accumulation. Because he, uh, I mean, he did get yellow carded in the last game too, that Torino game. But come on, you are punishing a guy for something that happened ten years ago. Like really, that's what we're doing. Like this is how we're operating, right? And so what if it's. If it's three yellow cards and you're suspended, he's being punished for something that happened in 2011. If it's four, he's being punished for something that happened in 2011 and 2009. 
I mean, what are we doing here? What is Italy? I mean, Mario Balotelli came back and had to serve a suspension when he signed with Brescia. He's been playing in France, in case anyone forgot that. And he was suspended when he moved back to Brescia because of something that happened, like, years ago. This is, like, I think... I don't, I don't know if UEFA still does this, where they suspend you for the first couple... I mean, it has to be, like, a ruling that comes down pretty much at this point. I mean, it's ridiculous the way the... This used to be a thing where players could get suspended going into a new year, even if they, like, move teams or move leagues or something like that. But we're, we're actually punishing somebody for an incident nine years ago. Are you kidding me? Something the guy clearly had no idea about. Like, if if the reason, like, this is very, like, this feels very in the weeds, but it also feels very obvious, right? The yellow card accumulation rule is for players who, like, clearly either have a pattern of dangerous play, reckless behavior, endangerment of others, uh, consistent dissent. Um, I'm not reading this. This isn't a rule book. It's just like, if you're going to have the yellow card interpretation, you are basically saying the way you are playing has proven that you should not play in the next match because you keep getting yellow cards. So this is your punishment, right? That is the definition. That is like the core intrinsic value of having a disciplinary suspension based on punishment accumulation, right? That core value cannot possibly be applied to a situation where the player has not played there in that country or league for almost a decade. That value cannot be applied when he has oh, oh yeah by the way been on another continent for the past two years so i just i just don't understand and that is very much an example of this was clearly not meant to be this ac milan going to the copa italia final like you and i have been saying they should go for it i they did frankly uh, they got up for this game, um, which, as you said earlier, it's being undersold that they played pretty well in this game. They got up, they responded to the answer loss, frankly, and here comes Juventus. They step up to the challenge. They all but won the game, and it took a referee decision and a Cristiano Ronaldo penalty to take it away and you know I'd love to have confidence about the second leg but I just don't because in Turin that's very difficult the refs will be on their side the crowd will be on their side they will do exactly what they need to do to advance and that's gonna be it and that's unfortunate because I would have loved to see like this be the time because I, I saw some absurd stat that in the past like eight years we've beat Juventus once and we've drawn them once. And the draw was in the Supercopa, which we won on penalties. 
So we've won once in like eight years, like some stupid amount. It was a great win. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was really, it was the, was that not the Locatelli one? That was the Locatelli one. Yeah. Okay. I thought so. So that's the one we have. All the others, like, it's not like, oh, you know, they just can't get over time. No, we're getting crushed out there. (laughs) We really are. So I thought this was going to be maybe, you know, considering our form and a little bit of their form and they have bigger fish to fry and we don't like the whole thing. I was like, you know what? Maybe just maybe this will be the time. They'll just knock Juventus out. It'll be incredible. They'll be in the final and then they'll take on someone they can beat in a final. Maybe. And that's not going to happen because they are going to get absolutely, I mean, they're going to, I just don't have the confidence. They're going to get eliminated, which really, really stinks. But I don't see anything else happening. So, I mean, the other, the other takeaway from the Aventus game and really is also the only takeaway from the Torino game is Ante Rebic continues to be very, very good. Um, he scored again against Juventus. He scored against Torino. He is just, just very, very good at this. Um, and he, I mean, we've said a lot about Ante Rebic, so I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but what he does is so valuable and getting him to click has been such a massive step in the progression and development of this team. And I'm so happy that like, cause recently they have had a lack of success in transfers highlighted of course, by literally take your pick, but just throw, put all the names on a dartboard and throw every single name. Um, but Andre Silva was one of the like epitomes of the flop, right? He was our Gabigol. He was hyped and all the signs said that he should be good. And he came in for a decent amount of money and he did absolutely nothing. And then he went on somewhere else and didn't do anything. Um, I do understand that Gabigol is good back in South America I understand that. Uh, however, Andre Silva has basically had a lack of success literally anywhere um, since leaving Porto. So getting Rebic basically on the other side of that deal is very, very valuable and actually hitting with that move because, frankly, if you had said, oh, they purchased Ante Rebic for $30 million, from Eintracht like in the first place like if the 30 million had gone to Rebic instead of Silva I think he would have just like no one would have complained about that transfer fee uh he in 2020 Ante Rebic has five goals which by the way is half of AC Milan's goals um, and through match-winning goals, nine points one. Uh, so, but fun fact, 
And uh, you can check out an article on Ante Rebic with a little bit of information on Andre Silva on our website, acmilan.theoffside.com. Guess how many goals Andre Silva has at Eintracht Frankfurt. I'm going to say four or five. He has five. Yes. Yeah, that is as many as Ante Rebic Incredible. in 2020. Incredible. Point of order, Andre Silva is still always welcome. Still always welcome. Yes. Uh, evergreen invitation. We, at some point on the podcast, we're going to go through our list of evergreen invitations because there are a <laughs> lot that just haven't been like made public. We could probably just make a list, but it's going to be just a lot of people. Oh, the latest and greatest edition. I am okay with going sideways on this, by the way, I am completely fine with this. So, so you're going to bring up my I'm message. I'm going to absolutely bring this up. So <laughs> the other day I got tagged in an Instagram story uh, from one of my good friends, Emily Olson. Uh, she works uh, with me at SiriusXMFC. She writes for Pro Soccer USA. She's a great friend of mine. Um, at Emily T. Olson on Twitter. Uh, so she tagged me in an Instagram story uh, saying, hey, uh, AC Milan could use... She's not an AC Milan fan, by the way. Uh, she said... It does look like you guys could use a couple players for the second like against Juventus. And it was a picture of the three Jonas brothers, each holding an AC Milan jersey, Uh, which how this has never come up. I have no clue. I have no idea how I am just learning that the Jonas brothers are on the massive celebrity AC Milan fan list. But apparently they are because these are not like this wasn't like a 2012 picture like this is this year's jersey. So the Jonas Brothers are AC Milan fans, which is awesome. And I know that they're probably just on tour and they visited and it is the biggest club in Milan. So they visited the biggest soccer team in Milan, uh, took some pictures you know, I, I, I get it. It's the most historic and most successful team that plays in Milan and, frankly, in Italy. So they, they picked the best Italian team. But They're fans. I did not know that they are AC Milan fans, and this is awesome. Um, so they are extended an evergreen invitation. Um, I Yeah, I mean, that... That's a long story for a very short payoff here. But yeah, no, they they can come on the podcast whenever they want. That's like one of our new like long-term goals is get at least one Jonas Brother on the podcast. Uh, Although we will have to brief them to see if they like act like if they actually know like about (laughs) about the team like for example another evergreen i i think we can agree on this and we we can talk we can discuss this live this is no problem um shakira evergreen invite to the podcast always yeah okay so i have a i have a feeling just an inkling that if you were to start talking football with shakira i think she would get it because reasons 
Jonas Brothers, I would be a little more concerned of them not getting it. Well, this is why I'm going to add an amendment to that evergreen. Okay. They're welcome. But also, if the three of them say no, but Sophie Turner wants to. Yes. Then, by all means. I dig it. Yeah. See, I like where your head's at. This is great. No, so um, that is like the the thing is that that happened uh, over the weekend, and by then I had gotten over my initial bitterness of just the absolute screwery that happened in the Juventus game, um, and honestly, sign them up for the second leg, put them in midfield. I mean, I you know. Clearly, we're going to need a striker. We're going to need at least one midfielder, and we're going to need a left back. So, can we do the Barcelona thing, or is or is Juventus the only thing, or the only team in Italy who can get away with the Barcelona waiver, going out and signing a guy outside the transfer window? Come on. I think Juve would be the only team. Yeah. So, just for exposition. Um, and context Barcelona after receiving an injury to Luis Suarez said wow fellas we need a striker shame we don't have any strikers and shame there isn't some sort of window in which we could make transfers uh, anytime soon by the way it is the second week of February when this occurred Um, so it's not like there's any sort of window in January or anything a window in January when they actually sold forwards. Right. So they get permission to sign Leganes's leading scorer and star striker, who also, fun fact, played for Middlesbrough. And uh, I read an interesting fact that more people in the last decade or two have played for both Middlesbrough and Barcelona, then Real Madrid and Barcelona. Really? Which is really, really weird. Yeah, it's like since Figo. Oh, that's wild. It's more have played for Middlesbrough. But anyway, so they get permission, and this is a lose-lose-lose for everybody. First of all, Barcelona, if you guys felt, if Barcelona felt like they needed forwards, they should have signed forwards. They should have gone after them if... Barcelona is the almighty football club of the universe, which we are sometimes led to believe. Second of all, Leganes, it is not their problem that Barcelona didn't prepare for an injury or make transfers. It is also not the league's problem. And Leganes should have the option to either refuse or sign someone else because I know they're getting payment and it's like a release clause, but like they're getting complete. They're losing their star striker. They're going to get relegated now because they can't replace him. They're leading, they're losing their leading scorer. So they're just going to straight up get relegated. He's not good enough to start for Barcelona. So he's going to sit on the bench and they're bringing in a not Barca player. Excuse me. They're bringing in a not Barca player. So everyone loses and La Liga just put themselves in an embarrassing situation where they just let 
Barca trample all over the worst team in the league so that they could get a backup striker that they're not going to play and basically just said the transfer window does not matter at all. So, yeah, I think Juventus is the only team that could get away with that. Um, But, I mean, we might as well apply. Maybe we can ask La Liga and maybe we can take one of Leganes' backups or something. (laughs) Maybe they'll let us do that. Like, maybe we can approach Malaga or something and be like, hey, friend. Yeah. (laughs) Can I just swipe a player or two? Like, I'll give you... I don't know who can we who can we get. I'll give you Diego Lackshaw. Just gonna say Diego Lackshaw. <laughs> Poor Diego Lackshaw, man. He came in against Juventus too, and I was like, this is actually a little bit sad. Yeah, you know, Anthony Robinson would have been great in that position. Oh my god, don't even get me started. Just just L after L after L. We're so far down but, this rabbit hole, I can't even see the light anymore. Oh my god, there is no light. There, there. It, it, normally, at least you can see light at the end of the tunnel. It's just bleak. There's nothing there. Um, but yeah, so uh, too long didn't read. The Jonas Brothers are fans of AC Milan, are welcome on the podcast, and we can add them to the list. Um, thanks to Emily for uh, sharing that with me. Otherwise, that would have completely flown by my radar. I would not have <laughs> known this at all i somehow this would have gone completely completely over the head i wouldn't um, have known if it wasn't for you <laughs> and yeah, then i just lost my mind about it <laughs> that's the thing like i saw it i was like yo this is cool and then i got a message from tim like new goal get get the joe bros on the podcast i'm like <laughs> deal uh so of course uh if if this can find their way to them that would be uh superb amazing um and yeah, so that that is the latest and greatest edition of Evergreen invites. Maybe we can make that a regular bit. I and like just that. Start start doing like a person. <laughs> <laughs> Our Evergreen this, person of the week. <laughs> this is actually gonna come off like really really sad. <laughs> Our Evergreen podcast invite of the oh week. Oh my gosh! Hey, at famous person, you're invited onto the podcast <laughs> if you feel like it. Paolo Maldini, please talk to us. Uh, you know, Shakira, please exist in the same space as me. Like a Gucci on you. Yeah, exactly. Like things like that. Like I don't know. I we've gone so far off the rails. This is great. Pivoting to get back on track just a little bit. Um, it's actually good because not a whole lot happened with AC Milan this week. <laughs> to be honest, outside of getting screwed, Ante Rebic scoring twice. Wing against Torino in a very takeless game. Not a whole lot happened. But one really weird thing came up this week that's worth mentioning. I'm not even sure if there's like a take for this. Um, I think it's actually pretty obvious. So Ante Rebic was brought in in reportedly, I'm, I'm going to put this in quotes, a swap deal for Andre Silva. Eintracht gets Silva, we get Rebic. Uh, the loan is a dry loan. There is no buyout option. Uh, the report that we have on our website, shout out to Mookie, our, um, our manager for 
writing this. Uh, I'm reading here, the exchange was pretty last minute as the deal did not fully conclude the negotiations, especially regarding buyout clauses at the end of the two years. Uh, according to Semper Milan, uh, Frankfurt's sporting director revealed we had to do the transaction at the last minute, so we opted for a loan exchange without agreeing any sum for future purchase. Operations were initially connected, but now they're absolutely disconnected from each other. So that's the information we have, and this is just odd. So the, it just sounds like they had to do it so quickly to get it... To, they wanted to get rid of Andre Silva so badly that they basically didn't do a full deal to get rid of him. Uh, it is a two-year loan, but there's no buyout clause built in. So they have to negotiate that. Or Eintracht Frankfurt can just be like, no. And in the most AC Milan thing that would ever happen, besides the entire Anthony Robinson situation, um, in the most AC Milan thing ever, we would get Rebic in form and then he would go back to Eintracht Frankfurt. And then what would make it even more AC Milan is if they also bought Andre Silva. Like we wouldn't even get Andre Silva back to like sell him somewhere for like 15 million or something. I thought you were going to say that he was going to go back to Eintracht and then Eintracht was going to immediately sell him to Inter for a huge sum. Oh my God. And then he, and then he scores a brace in the Derby. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm, See, I'm thinking just like, not even like maliciously, just like accepting of defeat. Um, and again, I'm not even sure if there's a take to be had here. It's it's odd. Um, it seems rushed. It seems like Boban slash Maldini, I guess Boban. I, I, again, we went over this last podcast episode. I don't really know. Um seems like they just wanted to get it done it was like look we'll cross that bridge when we get there we need the player more than we need the contract right like the 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 on pitch product and clearly it's it's working is more important than figuring that out they'll just have to figure that out and i'm sure they will because he's playing that well and he's that important they're gonna end up buying him but he's gonna be the 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 problem is He's going to be more expensive now because there wasn't a predetermined. It wasn't like, oh, at the end, he'll be 20 million and you just do the Dortmund thing and say, yes, we will take that immediately. Thank you. Uh, we're going to have to pay probably the Andre Silva amount of money for him. So. And look, I mean, I can understand why this happened the way it did. Um, of course, going back to last summer, we were talking a lot about Everton, the Brazilian winger who was really good at Copa America. We thought that they were going to get him. That was going to be really expensive. We were talking about a couple other players. Ante Rebic was kind of a late in the transfer window. This guy seems like he's the, the emergency option, which isn't a bad one. But you get to that point, and Eintracht is a they they don't feel any pressure to get anything done in that situation um it's all on it's all on milan they're the ones who really want to get this done they know they can't really take the time to work out 
a whole post loan con- contractual agreement because especially these days I feel like we're seeing a lot more obligation to buy and a lot less option to buy. Um, so I feel like that puts you in an even more difficult situation. And Eintracht, no, hey, he could go. He's been really good for us. He could go there, have two really good years, and then we're in a position where we can off we can ask for more money. And they're going to be able to. And now, if Milan do want to keep him, and at this point, why wouldn't they? Um, look, they've got they've got 16 months to figure it out. I say that casually, and I know that's going to be 16 months of pressure to get it done. But um, you can work something out in terms of like payment plans and. Um, I don't know. We we talk a lot about these transfers and have really nothing to go on. We don't know what the front office is going to look like in a few months. We don't know what the ownership situation is going to be. We see all these rumors floating around. We don't know the financial fair play situation. So we kind of just got to roll with whatever happens because that's the way it goes when you're a Milan fan. Yeah, the par, par for the course, right? Yes. We just got to figure out uh, <laughs> breaking future uncertain, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's also reports that Milan have agreed or are close to agreeing or are working on a deal. Basically, there are more reports about Ralph Ragnick uh, from Red Bull, uh, Leipzig, uh, and Salzburg, but mostly Leipzig. Um, So there are more reports about that potentially coming through. And I, I guess really the last takeaway from this this week in Milan, outside of the Jonas Brothers, um, is Pakita. And again, I'm not even sure how much of a take there is to be had here because he came in against Torino and he was, I don't even, I don't know, because like, all of the questions around him seemed to be getting stronger. Like he needs to work harder. Uh, there was the Giampaolo needs to be a less Brazilian comment. There's people basically saying, and like Maldini has said something to this effect. And I think Pioli has said something to this effect too. He's very talented. He just needs to work harder. Uh, which is concerning, um, but he's really good at it, and he plays with a lot of flair and expression, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, which goes along with the Brazilian thing. But they also add like he just needs to keep working hard. Um, he came in against Torino, and that's basically exactly what we saw. He basically he. It's like someone who is just trying to do flare moves on FIFA no matter what the cost. Right? Like he's he there was a, there's a picture uh on Twitter where he's trying to rainbow it over a Torino defender, right? And the picture itself looks pretty cool. Um Except then someone commented, hey, by the way, uh, this was towards his own goal. And it's like, ah, that like exchange right there is basically Pakita in a nutshell. 
Like, he's really talented. He can do a lot. I have confidence in him. Um, I I like him. Uh, clearly, he needs to step up. Um, but, I, you know, we need to start seeing something from him. Whether that is centrally, whether that is coming in from a side or as a sub, or giving him the space to work in or making it more structured for him so that he has a more designated role like is he going to thrive more in the rebich thing where it's like okay you're here and you're going and you're doing this or is he going to thrive more in what chalanoglu thrives in clearly which is the open role so i i want to see success from pakata but we're going to need to start seeing that sometime soon because I'm afraid people are running out of patience. Yeah, I thought when he first got on the pitch last year, I thought that there was a lot to be excited about because I thought him and Piatek used to link up so well. But we just haven't seen it. We haven't seen it in a long time. And I don't know, you know, we do this thing where we give up on guys too quickly, but there comes a time where it's just, well, what are you going to do for me? And, you know, it's... You got to say Chalinolu, like you said, in that open role. Rebic attacking from the wing. Um, even Castileo has been really, really good in that right-sided role the last few weeks. Um, it seems like there are fewer and fewer opportunities for Pakata to fit into this team. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if he can really earn his way onto the into a bigger role coming up. And if that's the case, you got to start looking to the summer and thinking, okay, what kind of value can we get for this guy? Because this is also, this is a team that needs to get better. It needs to figure out where it's, here we go again, players in best positions are. Jar. And it also needs to make some money. Yeah, Jar. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, speaking of money, you know, I've, I've had a couple questions recently um, since Friday, because the last team to get nailed by financial fair play was AC Milan, believe it or not. And all reports seem to indicate that Manchester City, as part of their appeal of financial fair play. Now, here's a quick distinction, quick before we wrap up here. AC Milan was suspended or was targeted by FFP for violation of the break-even rule, which is you have to spend as, or you have to bring in as much as you spend. AC Milan was not able to do that, uh, primarily because of that one summer that they bought like 11 players. Um, that really sunk them because then the success that they were banking on from those players did not pay off. If they made the Champions League, it wouldn't have been an issue, but they didn't. So that income didn't come in. Ergo, they did not have enough money to break even, right? AC Milan didn't break even. That is why they were suspended. They were suspended for two years from Europe, they appealed it to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. One of their main arguments was, we went through ownership transition 
basically what are we supposed to do there are exemptions in place for new ownership they won the case against uefa however uefa then went after ac milan a second time because of the spending the following year so they went after him before for the three-year cycle and then they went after them for the following three-year cycle that is what resulted in the settlement. It is a settlement of AC Milan being out of Europe this season. What Manchester City have allegedly, but <laughs> yeah, very believably, but yeah, but allegedly, because I the last thing we need is Manchester City. Manchester City lawyers do not have an evergreen invitation to the podcast. <laughs> uh, Pep Guardiola, yes. Manchester City lawyers, no. Um, and so what Manchester City allegedly did was, <laughs> in essence, financial doping is they fabricated, allegedly, the amount of money on their sponsorship. Who is their sponsorship? Etihad. Who owns Etihad? It's their owner, Sheikh Mansour. It's the same. Like, the flow chart is literally, like, one arrow away. Is the owner of Etihad is also the owner of Manchester City. That's the second team we've said that about. Yeah, strange. <laughs> so basically they were like, oh yeah, we've made this much money from our sponsorship when they did not make that much. And basically, uh, reportedly, if you were to audit Etihad as a company, they're in far worse financial position then the sponsorship information given by Manchester City would indicate. Because Manchester City say they're giving X amount, but then you look at the financial situation of Etihad, and it's like, these guys cannot afford that. So, um, it's different. And in my opinion, it's far, far worse. Milan spent too much money. They broke the rule... And we're told you broke the rule and that was, you know, there were some arguments about it, but they just spent too much money. Manchester City not only spent too much money, a la paying half a billion dollars on um, or a quarter of a billion dollars on wingbacks in one summer. Um, Manchester City not only broke that rule but also fabricated so much inform allegedly fabricated so much information in order to make that spending happen like this is so much worse than what AZ Milan did and the crux of the Manchester City appeal is going to be hey look at all the other clubs in Europe doing it if you do it to us you have to do it to all of them too which would be Bayern with Audi PSG with Qatar or Qatar, and uh, Juventus with Jeep. And all I've heard over the past half a week is, oh, it'll open a massive can of worms. Open it. 
do it. Is this not exactly what financial fair play was supposed to be? I know what financial fair play was supposed to be. On one hand, it was supposed to make sure that the big clubs stay big and the small clubs stay small. And on the other hand, it was supposed to save clubs from overspending themselves and going out of business. Those are the two purposes of financial fair play, right? Does financial fair play, because after Milan was nailed and screwed, um... UEFA's president declared this is financial fair play at its finest. FFP is a success. Financial fair play, if it does not do anything to Manchester City, is a joke. Like, should not exist. And if it does do something to Manchester City, as it should allegedly do something to Manchester City, it should also do the same to PSG, Bayern, if applicable, and Juventus. It should all happen, and this can of worms argument, I'm, I'm tired of hearing it, because if you if you don't want the clubs ruining the game with money because they're made of money, go ahead, open that can of worms. If, you, if, if you're worried about the problems that that puts into the game, go ahead and fix that problem with the game with a system in financial fair play that is frankly very broken and corrupt and not working, this would be a major W if they were to actually go through with this and ban Manchester City. And there's allegedly some worse stuff that could even lead to a points deduction and possible title strippings. And now we're talking. So a lot going on. Like, good, do it. Draw some blood, Do honestly. It. It's it's been too much. You know the teams that have been punished for financial fair play are you know the biggest club has been Milan, and there's been just there. I think there's been a couple of other small clubs that have had that have been punished for just trying to reach a place where they can. You know, Milan needed to spend in order to break even because they needed to compete. If they weren't able to compete, they were going to keep getting farther and farther behind the teams that can afford to negotiate with their sponsors who are owned by their owner. And it's just absolutely ridiculous. You, they they claim the whole, like you said, it's it's to keep the rich clubs rich and the small clubs small. Like, it's just so obnoxious. You call it financial fair play and there isn't a bigger oxymoron on the entire planet. It's a complete mess, but the the fact that, that that this is starting to occur and like there are also questions about like undue process and using information that was obtained through leaks and I mean there's a lot, there's a lot going on with this and it's not going to go away anytime soon, but I hope the end result is not... Um, Basically, like, Manchester City have appealed, and as part of their win in the case with the Court of Arbitration for Sport, uh, they'll get a two-year probationary period and, like, a 500,000 euro fine, and that'll be it. Like, I'm hoping that's not the case. You need to ban them from Europe and do it. Do, Do it to PSG, because PSG was my next thought is there's no way 
that if Manchester City's doing it, PSG isn't also doing it. And then my next thought was Juventus. And then after I mentioned Juventus, I found that Bayern basically does the same thing with Audi. Like the the same thing. So we'll see where it goes. But, um, you know, according to UEFA, um, after banning AC Milan, uh, financial fair play is a success. So if financial fair play is a success, then they'll go right for him. And uh, that should be it. Shouldn't really be any difficulty. But uh, on that note, I mean, we'll we'll see. It'll it'll be a lot of fun. That that story's not going to go away, and it better not end in nothing. I, if we're the only it, <laughs> the most AC Milan thing ever would be for all of those clubs to be not only like found not guilty, but found like innocent, like, oh no, they're completely fine. Meanwhile, AC Milan just gets investigated for financial fair play every three years. It just gets banned for Europe every five. Just like, oh, you broke, you didn't break even again. You're banned from Europe for a year. Figure it out. Like they're just gonna, like the most AC Milan thing would be stuck in a cycle of suck and stuck in an FFP like time warp meanwhile psg can spend a quarter of a or half a billion dollars on one player anyway i mean at at least we have an evergreen invite for the jonas brothers at least we have the jonas brothers and kobe and novak djokovic and yeah, there. I'm sure there are other ones. That that'll be our homework for the next week. We'll find more famous AC Milan fans. Those are those are the ones I got off the top of my head. Is Kobe, Djokovic, and yeah, and and now and now the Jonas brother, the owner of Louis Vuitton? Question uh, mark. Yeah, Dolce and Cabana. Dolce and Gabbana, those guys are AC Milan fans. Fun fact that that is my latest finding. But yeah, so. Jonas Brothers. Uh, and yeah, on that note, I hope you enjoyed the latest and greatest episode of The Devil Wears Rastanero from the AC Milan Offside. I'm Patrick Stoll. He's Tim Fontenot at Stoll underscore P at Tim underscore Fontenot at SBN Rastanero, as always, is where you can get a hold of us on Twitter. Uh, Tim, thank you very much for the time. Really appreciate it. And as always, it was a lot of fun. And uh, we'll chat soon. Always a pleasure. As always, thank you very much for listening. Uh, We're looking forward to the next episode where we will let you know our latest evergreen invite to the podcast. We're keeping that bit going now. That's a lot of fun. I I dig things like this. So on that note, thank you again for listening. For Tim, for the staff of the AC Milan Offside, and for the SB Nation Podcast Network, I'm Patrick Stoll. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Hi friends, thanks again for listening, and guess what? You've made it all the way to the end of the podcast. That means that there are a few more ads headed your way in just a couple of seconds, but I'll give you a quick countdown so you have time to find something else to listen to, even if that happens to be another Devil Wears Rossonero episode, wink wink. So thanks again from me and Tim for listening, and uh, the ads are on their way in 5, 4, 3, 2, one.